Shalom, this is Rabbi Paul Saul from Congregation Shuvi Israel in West Hartford, Connecticut. And today I'd like to discuss with you a little bit about Parsha Shalach Lecha and the Haftorah for Shalach Lecha. Shalach Lecha contains some obvious themes within a very familiar narrative. Be bold, do not fear, trust God, or perhaps even the majority is not always right. The context, of course, is the 12 spies going to the land of promise and 10 of the 12 bringing back troubling reports. The land is filled with giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes. The 10 could only see the challenges, but the two faithful spies saw the promises of God fulfilled in the elaborate and large produce of the land. In stark contrast, though, the spies of our Haftarah portion give us a renewed sense of hope. They went to Jericho after 40 years of wandering and came out with a completely opposite opinion to their predecessors. Truly, the Lord has delivered into our hands all of the land, and moreover, all the inhabitants of the land melt before us. Not surprisingly, the discipline of the wilderness rendered a completely different reaction. They had grown to trust the God of Israel in all the trials and challenges of living without any other guarantees of safety or provision. But there's a completely different story that is told in the Haftorah, which contains significantly different themes if we explore what Christian theologian Walter Brueggemann has called the counter-narrative. To do so, we must pay greater attention to another character in the story, the enigmatic Rahab. We're not introduced to Rahab until the two spies show up at our door. She not only gives shelter to the two spies, but is willing to forsake her own safety and that of her extended family to protect them. In so doing, she stands with Israel rather than her own people. It would appear that she believes the promises of Israel's God and forsakes the protection of her own local deities. But who is Rahab? The text describes that the two spies went to the house of a Isha Zona, and her name is Rahab. Upon first blush, this would seem rather strange. Why would two upstanding Hebrew men go to the house of a prostitute, as the word Zona is classically translated? Rashi sanitizes the situation, as he often does, and he quotes Targum Jonathan, who explains that Zona here means Pundakita, the Aramaic word for someone who sells food, such as an innkeeper or a grocer. The latter explanation obviously makes more sense in this case, as the spies went to stay at her home. Others have concluded otherwise that she was, in fact, a prostitute. Perhaps she was both. What we might conclude is that she was of marginal status, since she appeared to have little regard for her hometown and frankly, she was a woman entrepreneur in an ancient world where women were regarded solely for their procreative capacity. A friend of mine mused that Rahab might have made an interesting heroine of a Hallmark movie. These movies, from my limited experience, are relatively templated and almost always involve a woman entrepreneur who runs from the confines of her small existence to the unforgiving arms of success, fame, and fortune only to eventually return to the simpler life that she craves. Well, maybe this doesn't really fit Rahab, but she is an entrepreneur surviving in a world where women were generally expected to be either child bearers 
or sex workers. Surprisingly, she finds a place in history and a better life by becoming part of another people in her own hometown. Rahab is recorded among the great people of faith in Israel in Hebrews chapter 1, chapter 11, verse 31, and she becomes part of the ancestry of Yeshua, the Messiah. Rahab is a Gentile woman. She's trapped in a dead-end life until God brings the walls that ensnare her tumbling down. But this points to another hallmark, the equality of all people before God. In simplest terms, one of the boldest and most hopeful statements about how we should treat each other can be found in Galatians 3.28. It says that in the eyes of God, our differences don't matter anymore. Whether you're Jewish or Gentile, a slave or free, male or female, we are all united as one in the perfect future. Paul wrote this to show how understanding of relationships between different people and groups of people should continue to evolve over time. He used these examples to suggest ethical standards for how we should interact with one another today. It's important to note that Paul isn't saying we should completely ignore our differences but rather he's highlighting reality which is greater than our present reality, where hierarchical divisions are breaking down. It's incumbent upon us to seek that greater reality, to live in the light of the age to come, and to treat everyone as they are, created in the image of the Holy God. This has been Rabbi Paul Saul. It's been my pleasure sharing with you. I hope that you've enjoyed this. If you want to listen to other similar commentaries, go to umjc.org.